This is reposted. Every morning, Larry and I dig into a quote or idea that has caught our eye. Our hope is that our chat inspires you to never stop thinking and possibly challenges you in a new way. If you'd like to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash reposted. Thank you for stopping by. Billy Merritt is an actor, writer, and according to Twitter, he is also a table lamp. He is a staple in the improv community, and if you're interested in taking one of his classes, he has a couple of online classes coming up, one at the UCB Training Center, another at Rise Comedy in Denver. You can visit risecomedy.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes. So we're going to start off with a quote that I found from you that I thought was really interesting and applies to a lot of facets of life. You said, don't be afraid of the unknown. Don't play it safe. How else will you make discoveries? I feel like this is probably said about improv, but I think improv applies to all aspects of life. And I, I would guess you would agree with that. But what do you think about this, how it applies to you? Well, that's exactly it. Uh, improv rules are life rules. So if you follow life rules the way you want to live your life, hopefully you'll have good improv. So uh, I think that's where it goes. Um, honestly, it's easier to do on an improv stage for me than it is in real life. So I kind of have to always go take those chances. Uh, you can do it on stage. Why not do it with your taxes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're one of the godfathers of UCB in Southern California. You teach a lot of classes. Our brains are wired as human beings to play it safe. We didn't want to come out of yeah. the cave in the Serengeti because then a tiger would eat us. So essentially, when you're teaching people improv, you almost have to rewire their brain to not play it safe. That's exactly right. And it's uh, interesting because we're also asking you to play real life, especially uh, the style. So uh, I always use this example of you see those weird things every day uh, and you kind of uh, justify them to yourself and move on like, well, that dude's crazy. I'm going to move on. Uh, but in the improv world, you see something weird on stage. You got to go, excuse me, why are you doing that odd thing and try to find the unusual and build off of it? So uh in improv, we get to practice a certain kind of bravery that we don't and we shouldn't have in real life. You don't want to be confronting uh, the crazies all the time. But I feel as you do it more and more, you start taking, you understand that you can take chances in real life. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I, I often say in class, improv is not therapy. But having said that, it's a little bit of therapy. You know, <laughs> it helps you a little bit. So you mentioned earlier that you might not be as apt to take the chances in real life, but you're an actor, you're an improviser. At some point, that's just a risky career choice in itself. Like what oh, led yeah. you to that? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, uh, I always give the example. I was looking for food uh, uh, and I ended up at a theater. I was go going to school uh, uh, and I was looking for the cafeteria at this new college, Palm Beach College. Uh, uh, and I thought it was a cafeteria and it turned out to be the theater. Uh, and before I could leave, they put a paintbrush on my hand. And I started painting. I don't think if I didn't walk into that uh, building by accident, I don't think I would have the thought to challenge myself to do it. And then it just started with painting a set. Then it started with tech. Then tech started with uh, acting, acting, realizing, OK, what kind of acting I want to do. And that kind of bled into improv. And it's just each choice. So I almost stumbled into it, but as I did it, like you said, I, I still can, I don't consider myself taking chances, but I still take a hell of a lot more chances than I have in the past. And the idea each and every year, you keep taking more and more chances, you know, you keep building up on that. 
are you, are you always improvising? Like when you at the checkout with the grocery store and she says something <laughs> funny, do you respond or do you like kind of turn it off or, or is your brain always thinking like, well, that's funny. I got to dig into that. Uh, sometimes I got to be careful because I'll start doing bits with the cashier and they don't understand what a bit <laughs> is. So I kind of uh, uh, I always challenge my class to come back every week, come back with moments of observation where you go, this would make a great scene. You know, uh, you don't have to have that scene with those people. Uh, uh, I still do <laughs> do bits with people. Uh, uh, they don't know they're doing bits. Uh, uh, so it's a little weird. Uh, but yeah, I, I catch myself doing it. Here's one thing I noticed. And I think a lot of veteran improvisers do that. And this is a horrible example. But in the middle of a, a fight with your significant other, as an example, uh, let's say it's a breakup scene somewhere in the back of your head. I even I just said it a breakup scene. No, this is real life. You're really breaking up. But in my mind, I can't help but go. This is hilarious, you know, but you can't say that in real life. So it's hard to shut off. But there is a little filter there. And I think the filter to me, what I tell myself is this will be good for stage later. Cord this into my sense memory and use it later. Try not to do it to people who don't know what the hell I'm saying. <laughs> so I have a personal confession. I think one of the dark horse best things on the internet is chowder report. You do <laughs> a chowder reports periodically and yeah. I don't know the genesis of it. I get the biggest kick out of it. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about? It started with the disappointment of a can of a New England clam chowder. Uh, and as I'm eating, I'm going, I've never been happy with a New England clam chowder because there's never enough clams. Uh, and then it just kind of grew from there. Uh, and I started looking up uh, uh, more chowders uh, uh, and kind of building off of them. And now it turned into like a writing exercise. Uh, I have 60 seconds uh, to put out a little chowder report. And in that, I have to throw out a recipe and some weird story about my fictional past life. I think one time I talked about living on a houseboat. Great thing about a houseboat is the freedom to <laughs> unmoor and float away. Uh, the bad thing is you might drown in your sleep. Uh, little teeny things like that going back and forth. Uh, I do have a chowder. I didn't get a chance to do Christmas chowder, but can I share a chowder for you? I would love nothing more. I looked up Christmas chowder. And by the way, every time it's like, well, what's a Thanksgiving chowder? What's a Christmas chowder? is New England clam chowder, but instead of clams, lobster. Oh, So New England lobster chowder is also known as a Chris, uh, Christmas chowder. Uh, when I heard that, it's like, why has that all, never been, why have I never had New England lobster chowder? That's perfect. I vote yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> back to this idea that improv is life. Yeah. You once said a couple of years ago, one of your mantras was, there are no mistakes, only gifts. Yes. My kids, kinder, my kids' kindergarten slogan is mistakes are magic. Yeah, this idea of it. how do you like live with this idea that mistakes are okay and, and you're doing that on the fly on the stage, but also yeah. in life. It's uh, uh, the purpose that we teach that, uh, the we meaning the royal me, uh, uh, <laughs> teach uh, 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 there are no mistakes, there's only gifts because a lot, a lot of times in improv, everything just stops. Uh, and then we get stuck planning scenes instead of actually moving forward in the scene. Uh, and when something is thrown your way and you don't know what to do about it, this is what stops you. So we want to train uh, ourselves to be excited when things go wrong and almost uh, delight in that and find the comedy in that. And that gets you from point to point in your scenes uh, and you build bigger. Uh, taking that in real life, 
it's just about overcoming the obstacles that you get every day. You know, I can't tell you how I still do it. I still catch myself. It's like, well, I can't do this because of this problem. Instead of going, oh, the, here's a problem. We get to fix it and we get to move forward. So that goes back to that note. Life lessons and improv lessons are very similar. They kind of play off of each other. It's symbiotic, you know, an improv you want to draw from life to keep the scenes real, but in life you want to draw from improv just to move your life forward. So this might be a bit of a stretch, but mm. the pandemic's been happening. Yeah. Improv kind of shifted to being online. A lot yeah. of improv theaters are closing or repurposing. Do you see a future for improv? Is this an opportunity? Is this a gift for the improv yeah. community? Uh, well, I don't know if it's a gift, but let's say it is. But yeah, but with this same philosophy, I even look at myself and I always say, I would say two years ago, my uh, uh, theory was you can't teach improv online. It doesn't work. Uh, then once the pandemic happened, all right, I'll coach a group. Oh, this does work. Well, you can't do a Herald online. It doesn't work. Oh, this Herald works. Oh, anytime I say you can't do something online, uh, I am proven wrong. So now I'm like, there are no mistakes. There are no boundaries. It's, well, it's just a different venue. How can we do it? Uh, so to me personally, for my personal teaching, I'm not going to stop doing this. It also allows me to travel more, which I like to do <laughs> before the pandemic. In fact, when the pandemic hit, I was in Edinburgh, uh, oh. Scotland. I don't know if you've heard of Scotland, but I've been there. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in the pandemic, it was at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival or the Improv Festival. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta travel more. This is great. This, uh, yes, Andine is working. Well, now I'm stuck at home, but I have a lot of students from New Zealand, Australia, mm. Scotland, uh, South Africa. You know, I, I get to play with all these people from all over the world. That will never stop. Now, as far as the UCB closing up, uh, uh, it's well, the we're down to one theater in LA uh, uh, and we teach a lot of classes online. When I moved here from New York, when I transferred from the UCB in New York to UCB LA, that's exactly where we were 10 years ago. We have one theater and we rented out other spaces to teach. So it's not like it's ending. We're just restarting. We're rebooting when we come back. Uh, to me, that seems kind of exciting. Uh, but as I've posted, uh, the UCB Sunset, which is our teaching complex, uh, and a theater complex. We'll never uh, get to that level again, I think. We'll never have bathrooms that good, uh, but we will find theaters and we will play. And uh, the romantic in me kind of likes that idea of, hey man, we can do a show anywhere kind of feel. Uh, and that's how the theater started. And I kind of, for there are no mistakes, there are only gifts. Uh, there are no uh, bad accidents. To me, that means, well, maybe it's time for us to refocus on what's important <laughs> in improv as opposed to what we became, which is a giant business. Right. Uh, uh, improv, long form improv is not a giant business. There's no business model for that. Uh, uh, it seems to want to play in smaller theaters. That's what I feel. Hey, Billy, just a super honor to have you on the show and doing a little research. You got this great nuggets of wisdom. You, you stole this from somebody else, but you said this. If you want to be a great improviser, be a great person. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've been just hanging on that since I read it. Yeah, that, well, that shook me. Uh, 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 and I know the, per the person who told me was Bob Dassey. He was coaching a group called the Stepfathers that I was in in New York. Uh, uh, and I don't know, I was playing some uh, uh, villain that had no human side. Just, I was just playing mean uh, on stage because you can get laughs by just saying mean things sometimes. Uh, and he was just kind of talking generally. He says, yeah, well, you want to see good people. You want people to root for on stage, even villains. Uh, all villains have a human side uh, uh, as well as that 
that, that justification of why a villain became a villain. Uh, and that's what makes them so appealing. So make them human. If you want to be a good improviser, be a good person. That I carried into my real life. Uh, uh, <laughs> and it really uh, said, oh, I should be a good person from now on. I did not know, maybe because I lived in New York for 12 years, how bitter I had become. <laughs> uh, and it's like, I need to lighten up a little bit. And I think it, it really did change my outlook on how to improvise. Well, Billy Merritt, thank you so much for joining us today, you guys. You can check him out at UCB. He's teaching classes there, also at riotscomedy.com. If you want to check out Chowder Report, which I highly recommend, you can follow <laughs> him on Instagram and Twitter at Billy Merritt. I'm Andrew Keller for Larry and Billy saying thanks for stopping by. <laughs>